Hey, parents, welcome back to another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright, and uh, I am the guy who asks your questions to Dr. Michael Gurian, and Dr. Michael Gurian is going to play the role of Dr. Michael Gurian today. (laughs) So thank you, Michael, for being with us. Oh, thank you. And uh, we're, we're always glad to have you with us. This is episode number 124. And uh, if you're new to our podcast, all of these are evergreen. And so all 123 episodes, in addition to this one, are available to you anytime, any day to download and listen. And uh, if you enjoy the podcast, we sure hope that you're telling your friends about it. Uh, you can g- get to us with your questions at wonderofparenting.com wonderofparenting.com. We've got a listener question again today. Most of our shows are based on your questions. So if you've got a question, you can submit it to us. There's a form there. Just uh, write in your question, hit send, and we will get it into the queue. And we also want to encourage you to go there. There are resources on wonderofparenting.com that will help you in your parenting. Resources that Michael has written, I've written, we've written together. And also then links to some people who we believe can really support you when you need it. The Forge School is one of them. They are one of our sponsors, and uh, Michael has been working with them for several months. Uh, and Michael, I think you've just been there, right? And uh, have had a chance to see the place, or are you going yeah. soon? Yeah, no, I've been there and uh, had a chance to see it. It's wonderful. So it's a residential treatment for 14 to 17-year-old boys, and they get everything there. They get their education. They get you know treatment. Um, so these are going to be boys who are having difficulties in other school settings, and also, uh, and or also may have developmental trauma or other trauma, um, depression, anxiety, you know, so it's residential treatment, boarding school, uh, 55 acres right on a river, adventure mm. therapy. Uh, so adventure is wrapped into all the learning and the learning is wrapped around adventure and the journey to manhood. Uh, they're, they're a u- unique combination of elements. And uh, so if people go to wonderofparenting.com and just click the Forge School, they'll see more about it. And uh, our other sponsor, they've been with us for a long time, Dr. Greg Jantz and his folks up there at the Center of Place of Hope. I always say up there, but they're in the Seattle area, maybe yeah, down up. there. <laughs> it's up from, from most for people, people, but right. if you're in Alaska, it's down there. That's right. Uh, uh, so, uh, and, and they do such great work. Greg has been on our show in the past, and, and uh, he and Michael have written a book together. And uh, he's just a great friend. And so we encourage you, if you uh, ever are struggling with or people you know are struggling with uh, issues that have to do with emotions or with addictions, uh, there's certainly a place to go. Uh, the, pl- the center, a place of hope. And that is also available for you on wonderofparenting.com. Uh, we've got a, a question today that I think can take us into a variety of places. And so we're going to start with the specific question and then move on from there. And here's how the question goes. It says, avid listener, best parenting podcast I could find. We sure appreciate that. Uh, I'll tell you, I've listened to every one of these episodes. It's the only parenting podcast show that I listen to. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so I've heard them all. I think they're pretty good, too. Uh, thank you. I'm a new parent to a, 22 year, a 22-month-old girl and a one-month-old boy. My wife and I have noticed our daughter habitually grinds her genitalia with her high chair seat when she's done eating, to the point where recently she will be done eating, food removed, and won't want to leave the high chair as she pursues this behavior. I don't want to scold her or make her feel like her genitalia is is a bad thing, but I also would like to stop this becoming a routine uh, disruption in eating, etc., 
I felt it was a natural exploration at first, but a few months later, now I'm starting to think I need to talk to my pediatrician about this. Thoughts? What is normal? I'm ruling out the idea of an infection as a potential root cause. My wife and I are the only caretakers, and so I am also ruling out child abuse or sexual trauma. I value your podcast. Thank you for what you both can contribute. So, um, Michael, this is such an interesting question. And, um, uh, again, there are going to be some other places that will go with it. But let's start with this particular question. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like your idea of going into just sort of going into genitalia and the whole developmental, you know, what happens in the in the birth to 20 development around that, because um, and there's a lot we can say about that, because in terms of this, this case, um, first of all, I applaud this person for seeing, you know, a certain amount of this as normal, because it is, you know, it is a part of the body. And, and to a child's brain, the child doesn't know that, oh, this part of the body is used for this function and our society has created all of this religion and all this science around, you know, this function, right? The 22-month-old doesn't know any of that. It's just a part of this 22-year-old's body. So, so it's really smart of them not to overreact, these parents, <coughs> excuse me. And, and in terms of what is normal, you know, it would be it it's it is as i'm implying it is normal to explore every part of your body when you're that age including that part however he says here in this email he's saying it's a few months okay so now i think he absolutely has to talk to the or they absolutely have to go to the pediatrician because a few months of rubbing her genitalia against the high chair i mean a few months we're talking 3 months at just about every meal i i I, he says he rules out infection. I don't know why. I mean, I think it's possible she has proclivity to yeast infections or something's going on there that's physiological. Um, could it be an attention-getting device in some way for her? Like mm -hmm. the, the new child has come, um, you know, mm. the, the the little one has come, right? The, the, mm -hmm. It's a one-month-old. And, and, and meanwhile, mom was pregnant with that second child and therefore maybe was a little distracted, normally distracted, but wasn't giving the older one, the firstborn, as much attention. So, I mean, it isn't outside the range of normal for this firstborn to do something to get attention and to create an attention-getting device to try to get that attention away from the the baby in the womb and the, the, the newborn, right? I mean, like I'm a second born. I think you're a first born, aren't you? Aren't you the yep. oldest? Yeah. Okay. I'm the oldest. Yeah. So for me, I'm. I know I did those. Th I did things. I didn't. They didn't involve genitalia, but I knew I did attention getting devices. And I know also that with my kids, my first born, like every child, was jealous of the second one coming along. So I do want to say it's in, within the range of normal for the the first born to do something to get attention. But all of that said. For this to be a number of months, three or more months of this genitalia rubbing, I absolutely think, yes, talk to the pediatrician and get some tests done. Okay, so I, I think what that does is it, it, it opens us up, and that's why we uh, decided to tackle this question and appreciate, Dad, you sending this in. Uh, we, we have certain taboos in our culture, things that we're uncomfortable with when it comes to uh, private body parts, uh, even even I'm calling it private body parts, uh, is mm -hmm. because of our taboos. Um, so, so what are some things, um, just, you know, generally speaking, that we should expect of our children as they're growing when it comes to 
getting to know their bodies. Um, and, uh, you know, boys tend to pull on their penises and so on. Um, what should we expect to be normal? And what are those things that we should look at and say, ah, that could be a problem? Well, I think we should go into parenting expecting really just about anything to be normal. <laughs> yeah. By that, I simply mean in the apprehension of the of the self, the developing self of this child, apprehending, understanding his, her own body, uh, as you've indicated, pulling, rubbing, um, uh, being naked sometimes to get attention, uh, you know, that, that these sorts of things are within the range of normal. Um, and we ought to expect that. And then if something goes on for a long time, and each parent will have to decide what they feel is a long time, you know, depending on the behavior, uh, uh, then we seek help. You know, we say, oh, I think now we've, out, we've moved outside the range of normal. This activity is going on for too long. And, uh, you know, so that's going to be point number one. Point number two is that if a child is sexualizing early, we're not going to see that as within the range of normal, we're going to see the possibility of sexual abuse there or something or a modeling off a porn that the child accidentally saw or something that we need to protect the child against. So now in this category, what I mean would be the child is not just running around naked. I'm going to pick an age at five, not just running around naked at five a little bit. And then you child, oh, put your clothes on and the child does that. But but that the child is even in sneaky ways trying to show his or her body to someone older. Um, and is trying to call attention to the genitalia or trying to grab others, you know, uh, okay, now I think we will say, okay, let's look at what has happened here. Um, uh, the, the rubbing or trying to, and especially trying to get others involved. Uh, that's a clue that maybe this child has been sexually abused. So now we've moved into that realm, right? And that yep. would be abnormal but it would feel normal to someone who's been sexually abused. So we're going to look at, at the sexual abuse. Then the, then the third thing I would say is that we, we as adults, of course, we all kind of know this, but it has to be said, we bring to the, the physical body, we, we imprint sexuality onto physiology uh, as adults. And some of that is because it comes from religion. Some of that is comes from the way we're raised. Some of that is because we want to protect our kids so they don't sexualize early. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that we put onto their bodies sexuality. But we want to remember that for them, unless they've been sexually abused and until they've reached the age of, of sexualization, in which, at which time, by the way, they will want to be private, you know, so they'll take care of the privacy themselves there. Um, we're imposing a lot of of our imprinting uh, on these kids, and what they're really doing is they're just exploring their bodies. Those are three big points I would make at yeah, the outset. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, 
Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. So um, uh, I'm I'm thinking about uh, sort of age groups now. Um, And um, so we've got like zero to five um, and then let's say six to 10 or whatever from zero to five. So, because we started with a, a child who's 22 months, what kinds of things should we expect would be somewhat normal for kids exploring their bodies? Um, you know, I think about boys who are always holding on to their penises because they got to go to the bathroom, for example, and stop touching your penis. Uh, mm-hmm. you know what, so what should we expect and what are the things that we need to kind of become comfortable with? Uh, as parents and maybe as culture in that age group, zero to five? Uh, zero to five, I, I like you said, I mean, I would expect boys to be touching themselves, um, not sexually yet, not masturbation yet, but touching themselves, pulling on it mechanically. In a way, it's just mechanical. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. How does this their, thing work? Yeah. yeah, how does it work? Pulling up their yep. testicles and penis and, and yep. what's under there and all of that. So <laughs> I would expect all that. I would expect for girls, I would, yes, absolutely expect them to be pulling, you know, pulling their labia open, looking at their labia, if they, if they can even bend over to do that. Um, at birth to five, they probably wouldn't use a mirror yet to explore it, but, but it is part of their body that they'll pull on and touch and try to figure out. Um, uh, and, and so it's mechanical, it's physiological exploration. So I, I would see pretty much all of that as normal. Now, in terms of the rubbing, it's still, with, it is within the range of normal for a little kid to discover that when you rub this, it feels good. Uh, that can be discovered. Um, that's still within the range of normal, but I don't, you know, we're not going to see a lot of it. We're not going to see mm-hmm. like masturbation. We're not going to see much masturbation yet. And if we do see it, I, I, it, 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 isolated incident could be within the range of normal, but you know, I've already said, I would kind of worry if we're seeing that a lot, that there's been yeah. abuse. Um, so I, I, that what I would see as normal. I also would see as normal that the, this one child plays with the other child because um, hmm. again they're exploring each other and if you have parents you know of course if they have uh, two sex children you know they have a boy and a girl and they're relatively close in age uh, they report this quite a bit that you know even in the bath they're looking at each other and trying to figure that out or or um, um, maybe when parents aren't around you know they just kind of accidentally get into where they're trying to figure out what each other has uh, that's not you know, that's within the range of normal. It's probably not sexualized at all. It's mechanical. It's explorative. It's physiological. So I would put all of those in the in the normal category. All right. So so as a parent, it's a little hard. Of course, it depends on our our views of sex and how we've been raised. Uh, it can be a little disconcerting, I guess, uh, to say you've got a, a a young boy, a young girl in your family. They're brother and sister, and they're in the tub, and they're starting to poke around at each other. How do parents react to that? Because you, you can give the message, if you stop doing that, that something dirty, something bad is happening. And, that, and we don't want to say that either. Well, you just say these are these are private parts. I mean, this is yep. where we're starting to teach people. These are private, teach kids. These are private parts. Um, it's it's not again. Remember, it's it's physio it's physiology for them. Right. They don't they don't get sex. So right. uh, at four. So so now we're actually going to be teaching them. A lesson, not necessarily about sex yet. We probably won't use sex language with a four-year-old. We'll just say these are your private parts, 
and you know it's okay great that you did that it's it's uh you know you've given me an opportunity as a parent to tell you these are your private parts these parts of your body are your private parts they're for you and you have control over these parts of your body so mm. people don't touch these parts of your body and if anyone ever touches these parts of your body you tell me about it yeah and then if they say well my sister touched this part of my body you know the parent now has to use um good parenting to try to distinguish is are we being manipulated are we trying to create a fight are we you know um but if uh, because then that gets used right in sibling rivalry it gets used for the parent to get mad at the other sibling you touch my parts so we got to see through that and and just keep teaching okay these are private parts and then if one child is touching the other's private parts a lot um especially in that age group we would get involved but otherwise the message is just these are your private parts and and is there an age where you sort of say okay uh the kids are at a point now where they shouldn't be taking a bath together oh sure yeah i mean i think every every uh and you're talking about cross sex right you're talking yep, about yep. boys and girls yeah yep. I, I think every parent starts sensing it um it's gonna it's gonna depend on the maturity of your child i mean i know there are some kids or i'm sorry the development of your child i I think there are some people who will, and they've raised really good kids who will experiment beyond other people's lines. Like they'll, they'll, everyone will be showering or bathing together, adults and kids, even as the kids are seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. I mean, you know, and that's an interesting experiment. I, it's something that I wouldn't do, but I do get it. And I did know a family that did that, and those kids turned out fine. Sure. Um, but I, in having to be sort of a quote unquote expert, would say, I, you know, I think probably when you feel it's time, then it's time. Yeah. And um, and no one needs to impose on you as a parent when you feel that time has come. Because I think every parent will feel it. And they'll go, hmm, okay, this is just being too much trouble to be telling these two people to stop playing with their private parts. And, yeah. you know, in the tub. And it's like, I, I think the moment has come. I, yeah. I, we have to stop putting them in this situation. And so then you stop bathing them together. Uh, so being a, a, a Christian pastor, I was raised in uh, a religious environment. And um, uh, I remember uh, it wasn't really until actually I was married uh, when um, I encountered sort of my first discussions about masturbation within a religious setting. And um, it was a... This is going to sound like it was a touchy subject, boom, boom, right? <laughs> but a boom, right? Uh, yeah, uh, but but um, you know because there were some who just insist that uh, masturbation is terrible, uh, you know, it's fake sex. Um, but the the people who were leading this particular seminar, and it was for adults, it was a parenting seminar, how to talk to your kids about things, and one of them was masturbation. Uh, it was actually just to sort of say, hey, this is a normal part of of growing up. It's a normal part of discovering who you are. Um, there, there may be certain boundaries you want to put around that, whatever, um, you know, but talk a little bit about, uh, from a biology standpoint, masturbation, when you would expect that to be happening in kids, uh, does it, it does there get a point where that it could get out of control? What are some mm. of the things around masturbation that mm. we just don't really understand as a culture? Yeah, I mean, first of all, we have to remember that that masturbation is a physiological function. Uh, we have uh, it's a stress releaser. Uh, it's it's a it's a psychophysiological way of the self having control and power, um, feeling empowered, uh, feeling joyful, 
you, you know, it, it has as a, as a psychophysiological function, it has its own um, uh, reason for being in the human body and the human brain. And it's only from a certain context, and it, it is, you've identified religion, it's mainly from religion, that that this, that psychophysiological function, which is normal in the development of all human beings, right, including uh, including adults, right, adults masturbate, okay, so it's a, it's what has been imposed upon it is all of this stuff about it's bad, but from the position of the science of it, there's nothing, there's no value in it, and there's no devalue in it. It is just a psychophysiological function that is built into human nature because it gives benefits to human nature. It gives, and I will, I've listed some, um, uh, for, for males especially, the benefit that it gives during adolescence is that it releases that tension and, you know, um, and males don't actually have to keep pushing themselves on females, uh, you know, to mate um, because they are masturbating. So they physiologically, they've released it. Um, and, and, you, and, you know, in, in adolescent psychology, especially for males, I think I do males and then females, especially for males, uh, a lot of our brain function wraps around, and I think we've talked about it in previous podcasts, around a rumination loop that's kind of a conquest loop. Have we talked about this? Yes, a little bit okay. we have, uh-huh. Yeah, so it's sort of a conquest loop, and I know that word seems weird to people, but that is what it is. I target, I'm 15, I'm, I'm getting shots of testosterone all day, right? I'm getting five to seven spikes of testosterone all day, and remember, I have 10 to 20 times the amount of testosterone of a female running through my body. Testosterone's a sex chemical now at that age, um, it's also an aggression chemical, and I'm I'm forming loops in my brain based on who I see, and the and a lot of who I see are sex objects, um, and that's another thing. You know, our culture is constantly giving this message to kids, especially boys. Women are not sex objects. It's a really good message to give. It is uh, because for the 15 or 17 year old boy, they are sex objects. The brain. They're also other things, by the way, but the brain is is forming these loops where it's trying to release, right? I mean, it literally is trying to release trillions of sperm. So it's it's forming these loops and I target someone and I'm gonna, okay, I've gotta, and I don't mean target in an abuse or assault sense. I mean that that is normal for that adolescent brain to be trying to release all this stuff and to be being attracted to someone and then thinking, how do I get that person? And then how do I have sex with that person? And then other parts of the 15 year old brain will say, oh, I'm not ready for sex. There's no way I'm doing that. I'm too shy. And you know, all of that's going on. And meanwhile, luckily for that brain, that guy can masturbate. And so he just, he masturbates and he releases the tension and then that gets out of his head for a while. And then it comes back in his head for a while and then he masturbates and he releases the tension. So masturbation is, there's 10 different ways in which it's a really good thing. And, and take all of that out, it's just psychophysiologically normal. So mm -hmm. to overreact to it, I, I think, is, is to raise kids without the wonder of parenting, you know, and I'm a science-based person, so I'm not coming from a religious framework. Um, however, I understand why the religions do it. Obviously, they're doing it to say, and this is where I'll segue over to girls, they're doing it to say, you shouldn't be using up your sexuality, right? unless you commit it to someone else yes because that's how that's what marriage is or that's what relationship is and that's that's what's blessed by god and i get that and i actually think that that makes 
psychophysiological sense and that it's a great message as long as we don't um, as long as we don't hypermoralize masturbation. In other words, to give the message that we should save, you know, save what we can for marriage, I think is a great message or save what we can for adult relationship uh, since so many people don't marry these days. That that's a great message. But we don't have to give that message by, so now I'll switch to girls, as used to be saying to girls, if you touch yourself and you masturbate, well, you know, you're a slut or you're a whore or you're sinful or, you know, these sorts of things. Um, uh, no, it's a psychophysiological function. It brings her joy. It um, it releases tension. It helps her empower herself. Um, it, it allows her to experiment with herself in ways that are safe, in which she doesn't have sex with other people right in terms of safe sex so there are a lot of good things about it and um i i actually think we should encourage young people to do more more masturbation and less hooking up too early mm, mm. Uh, so i actually go in a different direction i'm not trying to get them not to save things for marriage because i don't put masturbation in that category right. i don't i don't put masturbation in the category of um i guess i should say god said you can't masturbate and in fact, you'll have to help me, but I think you and I talked about it once. There's only really one or two lines in the Bible, mm -hmm. isn't it? Or three lines, and they're in the Old Testament mainly? Yep, yep, yeah. And it's not really even within that context, so... Um, yeah, it's spilling your yep. seed or something, yep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, it's, not, it's not even about masturbation, right? It's about a sexual intercourse, but pulling out before oh, uh, right. you impregnate her, so... Right. Um, so there's really not, I mean, really, what is in religion except yeah. a kind of anti-masturbation tradition? Right, right. But I'm not going to get involved in religion. I don't, you know, that's not my area, but I just can tell people it's it's healthy and it's fine. Where it goes, and, and I think it's actually useful, and, and it helps kids to put off having sex. I mean, that's one psychophysiological message I'll give, is it helps kids to put off having to have sexual intercourse uh, <clears throat> before they're ready. Now, can it go too far? Yes, and you asked me that, and let me finish with that. Um, <clears throat> yes, it can, especially when masturbation is hooked onto porn. Yeah. And that is really a big issue now, and that to me isn't religious. It's, it is a psychophysiological issue. I mean, it can, it can be religious, but I see it as a psychophysiological issue. The brain, it is hyper, right? It's hyper-masturbating. What it's doing is it getting, it's getting too much visual stimulation uh, for its own health, and so that brain, it's usually male, are watching porn, and then they're masturbating, watching porn, and masturbating. And that creates all sorts of dysfunction um, uh, later. They can't bond with the person. They can't stay bonded with that person, but, you know, uh, because they've, their brain sees that person, uh, that sex as, you know, person as a sex object and or sees that person only physiologic and cannot, uh, because the porn, they're addicted to the porn, they don't see relationship at all. What they just see is the release. They watch the porn so they can masturbate and get the release. And then if they do marry later, then they need the porn. They can't, you know, they have erectile dysfunction without it. And then that creates complications. So the that's my biggest worry. My biggest worry right now with kids is not that they're going to masturbate and therefore go have sex. I think actually the science would say perhaps the opposite is true. If they masturbate a normal amount, they may put off having intercourse. I worry about the... Um, the porn and, and yep. masturbation. That's the one that worries me. Yep, yep. And I, I think that's well said. Um, some of our listeners will remember uh, the Seinfeld show. 
And, oh, uh, yes. Master you know, of my of, domain. <laughs> yeah, master of my domain, the contest. And uh, oh. it was I don't think they used the word masturbation through the whole episode, nope, but everybody knew exactly what they were talking about. <laughs> That's right. And um, so, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, it really was one of the classic uh, episodes on TV that talked about a very human experience uh, with a lot of humor. And uh, so that's worth checking out. Yeah, well, Michael, and that's this, a good way to approach it. Yeah. Let, let me just say, with yeah. you know, you folks who are raising kids, okay, just know we have been through it. Our kids masturbated. You know, we had to figure out what to say. And 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 my my advice to all of you doing it now is to use a sense of humor, keep it in context. You know, use a sense of humor. Uh, treat these kids as adults. I mean, uh, if they're masturbating at seven, we've already dealt with that as a different issue. That's probably sexual abuse. But if they're normally masturbating as they're hitting pre-puberty and puberty, uh, you know, let's treat them like adults and go, okay, we get it. We know that happens. And, uh, and, and you know what? I, I've done it. And okay. And just here are the boundaries that our family practices. You know, we, you clean up after yourself. Uh, yeah. I, mom, don't clean up after you. And you go in a private place, you don't do it publicly, and blah, 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 right? I mean, you give them the basic values um, and keep a sense of humor. <laughs> That's yeah. my, my advice. Well, and, and one of the things for boys, of course, is it even if they don't masturbate regularly, it happens to them uh, in that thing called wet dreams. Oh, yeah, it'll happen. Uh, yep. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just all that stuff that's roiling up in them uh that's evolutionary in many ways it is uh, needs a release and um of course in the old days it used to be if you masturbate you're going to go blind uh but uh i think we've disproven that <laughs> yeah we've disproven that i i think you know probably for a lot of our our young boys and girls if they if they don't masturbate they'll probably go blind they've got all that energy uh right. in there that they need to release so right. uh so this has been uh this is really an important topic and and every parent is going to face this at some point and we hope that we've given you a few handles anyway uh to deal with it so michael thank you so much for your insights thank you thank you and thank you, everybody, for listening, and we look forward to being back with you next time on the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Please remember to go to wonderofparenting.com to submit your questions, uh, to check out our sponsors, and uh, to also see what resources we have to help you as parents. Have a great week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.